Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to episode 26 of the Bees Radio Network podcast. Thank you very much, as ever, for all your support for all of you who are joining us on the Patreon accounts. And of course, join me this week after yet another weekend away from the hive. Mark Dellum, how are you? Yet we? another weekend away. How many podcasts have you missed? Hello, <laughs> by the way. I didn't realize we were starting like that. Well, you see, the, the, like earlier in the earlier in the season, I'd always say the man who's more likely to be there than me. In the last few weeks, just missing in action. Well, I'll be there on Sunday. Well, that's the I'll good be news. there on he's, Sunday. He's, but he's, then, he's a... to be fair, I won't be there for the next Raiders game. Oh, I mean, who are you considering problems this begin. schedule? That's my question. Well, no, I think it's more that you've you've understood that the best thing to do is not be around people from Romford following your comments earlier in the season. And as a result, <laughs> have decided that the Raiders is a must-miss occasion yes. for Hello, you. everybody from Romford. Hello. <laughs> Indeed. It's a lovely um, place to come yeah, from. And, uh, not to go it's, to, it's, it's, but it's a lovely place to come from. Right. You know what? I'm going to tuck into this one early doors. Like It was actually the first time I've been to the Sapphire Ice since the changeover yes. from the old Rom Valley Way. And do you know what? I preferred the old rink. I love the old Rom Valley Way rink. It was apologies if I'm suffering today. I've got some ulcers on my tongue today, which means I've got a slightly swollen tongue and slightly biting my uh, tongue most of the time. I'm speaking as well, so if I sound like I'm sort of stumbling over words, please, it's not a, it's not alcohol. It's actually just a little bit of a, a few uh, ulcers in the mouth. But I much preferred the old Rom Valley Way. I loved the old rink. It was an underrated view. Sure, it had the netting. Sure, it was a little bit old. It, I mean, it wasn't falling down. But it was a little bit old and a little bit sort of under the weather. But it had character, it had atmosphere, and it was just a special place to go watch hockey. And the new place is nice, don't take it away. But it just doesn't have the character of the old rink. Isn't that true, though? In, you know, a lot of older rinks, for example, have that history to them. They have character they just going in the rink itself just generates atmosphere um you know like rom valley way was one of those wasn't it the old milton Keynes rink i know it's the same rink in essence but the old yeah, milton Keynes true. rink before the refurbishment yes it was old yes it was in need of a lick of paint at least but it was it was a, a fortress wasn't it for the lightning back in the day yeah and the um, old and the old tunnels yeah, you used to tunnel. go in. And a little silly, just those, again, iconic things about those rinks, like that little tunnel you had to walk in to get into a game at the old Milton Keynes rink. It's not quite the, the shiny plastic that they have now. Yeah. Um, and even and like Streatham's old rink, yeah. I mean, I, again, again, just places with character. And, and they're sort of, as you say, when you build a new rink these days, it's hard to instill character. The football's got the same problem as well. You see someone like Tottenham and what they've done with their new stadium, and it looks amazing. And, and they've tried to actually bring culture, but there's a whole era of football stadiums from about 95 through to about 20, 2015. They're just all the same. They're just identical boxes. And that's kind of the problem we've got with ice rinks potentially in this country coming up is grateful for any new rink that does get built, but they're just going to all look kind of the same and not well, really not really have that atmosphere I about mean, I, them. I look back and I think like, you know, Slough opened in 1986. At one stage before somebody got involved and decimated it, there was an atmosphere. There were 
I mean, when it opened, there was a capacity of 1,500, not massive, but there are games, if you look back over the old records, where there's attendances of 16, 1,700. Wouldn't get that now, fire regulations. But then you had Bracknell <laughs> open a year later, which was alive. Back in the, the old days uh, and in the Super League days, Bracknell was alive. And then you move just a little bit further forward, and I'm not having a dig here. But at any point in time, would you really ever say the Guildford spectrum has been alive? And it's only, what, 10, yeah. 10, 11, 12 years younger than Slough and Bracknell? Um, you know, like just that newer rink. And if you look at, say, Slough before it was refurbished, it showed its age. Bracknell, it does show its age, but it has the potential to be a real barn when there's a game on. Where you go to Guildford, and it is, you know, I mean, it's it's 20-odd years old now. It's still a nice-looking rink, but it's just never really had the atmosphere, has it? And I guess that's the thing no. as well. I mean, even for me, I've, I've worked at Slough since 1990, and I tell you now, I mean, they've done a fantastic job on the refurbishment, but I think, um, you know, going back to, say, Rom Valley Way and comparing it to Slough, and you'd know, you know, like coming to Slough as an away fan, that place kind of had a bit of a soul to it. And, yeah. I mean, Slough is the same building, but it's been completely refurbished. Obviously, the Sapphire is a completely different building to Rom Valley Way, but those places had kind of a soul to them. And just walking in, same with Milton Keynes, just walking in kind of evoked an atmosphere. Whereas nowadays, obviously, the Sapphire is, well, it's what, it's about a year old now, isn't it? About a year since it opened. And it is a very different place to the old Rom Valley Way rink indeed. But, you know, oh, the yeah. one thing I'll say to you is, obviously, when Rom Valley Way opened, Raiders did a fantastic job of marketing, didn't they? Like, get your tickets early because this could be a sellout. And they did sell out their first, what, three or four games on home ice. What are the attendances like now in Rom Valley Way, now that it has been open for a year, in what has been equally as tough a season for the Raiders as it has for us? Do you know what? Actually, I can answer you that question because I had a nice little sit down. Well, I'll say sit down. I stood with one of the uh, ownership group, not John Scott, uh, but one of the other ownership group who stepped in all those years ago when they had when they were removed out of Ron Valley Way and had to go to that uh, spell that they had up at Lee Valley and uh, it took the club to the brink. So we should always be grateful that the Raiders are still alive. Uh, and talking with one of the guys there, like I. I sort of comments and I said that's a decent crowd there was a good contingent of Bees fans who made themselves along I saw James Galazzi message it was some of the most amount of Bees fans he had seen in Romford and obviously there are hopes for the game later in the year on the 14th of May that we'll be taking a busload of Bees fans with us and you can obviously or even find Mark's. out that information March even goodness me I'm well ahead of myself with too many M's in the uh, calendar year but uh, you can obviously join that on Bees at yahoo.com uh, if you're interested in making the trip along on that one, let the guys know if you would like to go along for that game. Uh, but speaking to their ownership group, there was uh, nearly 900 in there on uh, Saturday. And it did feel busy, I have to say. And, like, and it did create an atmosphere. I mean, again, Paul Ludlow, love him or hate him. Uh, he definitely can be that Marmite character that some love, some hate. He does a good job in whipping up a crowd in there, and it is the closest we probably have to a, um, I'm going to call it an Eastern European style of hockey fan base where there are chants during the game. And obviously there are some issues with some of the chants that you do here and some of the comments that are made do just slightly tread that line. But in the same breath, there is a good atmosphere. And 
even to be fair, obviously you weren't there on Saturday, but Saturday was a big night in the hive. It really warmed the cockles to see, obviously the school zone was very successful, but when we stand up on the commentary booth, we look to our right and we look to our left and we can normally judge a crowd um, by the two blocks that are next to us on the commentary booth because normally one gets sold first and then you get the overspill and all that. And before the game, the block to the right of me was looking quite empty, but the block to the left of me was pretty full. And then all of a sudden, as it got nearer and nearer to face off, the block to the right was filling up. So those people are now buying their tickets in advance or whatever. And the block next to us were the walk-ups. And you could just see it beginning to fill and fill and fill. And you're looking around and it was a great night in terms of people. And and there was a bit of an atmosphere building as well. And obviously we've done very well so far that we're nearly up to the 10 minute mark. And we haven't mentioned uh, the performances uh, over the weekend yet. We'll get into that in a little while. But it was just great to see that the word of mouth, that the buzz, not to use the corny phrase, (laughs) really is beginning to get back into the hive at the moment. People are really beginning to do it and i can give you a story a former work colleague of mine was in there on saturday night and he is a reading fan uh through and through he does part of the pod one of the podcasts that supports reading uh and he was there for a friend's 30th birthday and they had had booked out 20 odd tickets or so and he walked in and he i went and saw him at the end of the second period once we'd found out we were both in the same building and he just said you know what i've lived in reading for 29 30 years of my life I never knew this ice rink was here. I never knew this was here. And when my friend said that she had bought 20 tickets for all of us to come and watch her favorite ice hockey team for her 30th birthday, he was like, God, we're going to be about, we're going to make up about 50% the crowd. We're going to make up 60% the crowd if there's 20 of us there. He couldn't believe that there were so many people coming to watch a sport that he obviously knew of, but didn't know was so popular in the Bracknell area. And that was that was enough for me, like on on the night to walk away and go, you know what? This time might just be beginning to turn here in Bracknell. We're beginning to remind people about what it's like to come and watch hockey in Bracknell, what it's like to come and support the bees, what it's like to have a night out at the the hive again. And and even he was like, look, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, the result didn't go your guys' way, and the performance um, was one that he was like, he was new to the sport. He was like they battled they created chances the opposition just got one extra chance during the game and then got an empty netter it's a tight close encounter i really enjoyed it i'm going to come back again and come watch it again that's all i needed to hear to make me think you know what this is we're just beginning to turn it here off the ice well i mean that's an issue up and down the country isn't it i think for a lot of teams um ice hockey is as continues to be a minority sport and I guess a lot of the money will be invested in the on-ice products, the team, the coaching staff, equipment. And then obviously with the step to National League, you've boosted the travel costs as well. The one thing that sadly does get overlooked a lot in ice hockey is the marketing. And I think you'll find, and like, you know, I, I found it in Slough as well. A lot of people will say, oh, you have an ice hockey team. And that is the one thing, isn't it? You know, like this sport is a minority sport, but a lot of people who do come along and full credit to the school zone here as well. A lot of people who do come along do enjoy their night. I mean, it's more than just watching a sport. You know, if you go and watch uh, a Sunday league football match, no disrespect to Sunday league football, it is a Sunday league football match. If you come and watch an ice hockey game, it's a night out. There's a full 
on ice entertainment or on ice based entertainment product. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people that do perhaps stumble across the sport, they think, oh, wow, this is actually quite good. And they come back and they come back and they come back. And that's the sad thing about ice hockey, isn't it? Is that it has the potential to be so much bigger across the whole country. But it's just that there isn't, and this is no disrespect to any team owner, there isn't the money to be spending out getting a, an awesome on-ice product and the money to be spent out marketing as well. And that's the shame, really, I think, in it, in that the ice hockey community is a fantastic community to be a part of, but it has the potential to be so, so, so much bigger. You nearly said the word family there, but I'll let you off. Do you know what? I was um, going around in my head thinking, what's an alternative <laughs> for family? Um, 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 so I'm like trotting out my sentence, slowing down a little while I'm still thinking. Community, that'll do. Yeah, that, I like that. Good. I don't want to be roasted for, um, uh, for using the, the, that <laughs> F word on the podcast. Indeed. We, only, we, we don't allow any F words on the podcast, especially that one. Um, no, it, uh, and this is... You're quite right in terms of look, what a team's going to invest in. And it's chicken and egg, isn't it? What do you do? Do you invest in the off ice and, and maybe you don't have us as strong on the on ice and then that will come because if more people come, there's more budget, etc. Or do you invest in the on ice and put all your eggs in that basket, but maybe off the ice it falls down a bit. And as you say, there's no perfect solution. And look, you could talk to different clubs about how they market. Some clubs don't need to market. Some clubs have got absolute, you look at, um, probably the standard bearers in our league at the moment in Swindon they do a very hard job of marketing but they already have a big collection of people across their Facebook pages across their Twitter pages because they've been the same one since 2009 you have a residual group that you can turn to here in Bracknell we must be on about the third Facebook entity in about five years yeah. due to changes in ownership same with Twitter same with Instagram and as a result you you have to rebuild that audience on just on your easy grab the people who are going to follow on social media. Well, the other thing so with social media, of course, is that social media companies have cottoned on. And I remember setting up social media for Slough, and it was easy in those days. But now, algorithms work against pages, for example, on Facebook, um, unless you are promoting content. So social media is great for keeping in touch once people are already liking you, but it doesn't it doesn't benefit your post the same way it did 10 years ago because Facebook have all of a sudden cottoned onto, aha, we could make this commercial. But yeah, as you say, that is a, that's a huge difficulty, I think, in the fact that we are, um, I mean, I set this Facebook page up last, not last summer, but the summer before, the last season in the Britain yeah. conference, and we started from scratch. The Twitter page that we now use was Stuart's old one, which he'd managed to get back into. <laughs> and obviously we started with quite a few fans on there already. But the thing is, though, obviously, were those fans still engaged? Were they still connected? Were they even still active on their Twitter accounts? So again, you know, we've started our social media all over back in the summer of 2018 when we started yep. a new Facebook, reactivated an old Twitter and started a new Instagram. So for us, it is a fresh start. Like you say, there are some clubs with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 likes who've had their Facebooks going since, you know, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the challenge. And, and it's not instant success. You can't, you can buy followers, but they're not going to be the followers you need. You don't need bots. You need people. Yeah. 
Um, that always and, makes me uh, laugh, that when you see somebody who's had about 20 followers oh. on Twitter, who all of a sudden has like 10,000 followers, and you're thinking, all right, you bought all these people, but they're not engaging with a single thing that you're doing. They're just there to boost your follower account. Exactly. And look, it's going it's to take time. So that's why on Saturday it was nice to see in the hive a nice decent see, crowd to come out. Nice. Well, if Brucey, um, rest in peace, could have come and joined us, it would have been great to see him there. And I think maybe that could be our play out music this week, could be play your cards right. Um, because that is an all time classic TV theme tune. Yeah. Um, you see, the unfortunate and, I mean, thing is, if we're on the, the scale of Brucey, one of the best entertainers this country has ever produced, bless him. If we are on the scale of that, I just want to sum up this weekend by saying, you don't get nothing for a pair of defeats, not in this game. We got a point. We got a point, but we didn't we get enough. We got a point in overtime. We but got we'll a point in overtime. Well, do you know what? Let's dive into yeah. that, because th- this weekend, if you could wrap up the whole season and where... You see so much positive and you see so much that could go right for this team and has gone right for this team at times with victories over the top teams and performances and players developing. All of that was there on Sunday. All of it. And then on Saturday, it wasn't. And that's been the frustration that's been there with the team this season is that you know that this team has got the ability and has got the passion to deliver those outstanding performances at the very top of their games. But you also know that things can just go wrong for them in the game. And I'm, I'm still, I've not watched the Bees TV rollback on this yet, so I, I can't sit here and fully go on this. Was it the Raiders playing a very smart game plan? At the end of the day, they created numerous breakaway opportunities that the mixture of defense um, and good back checking, as well as, quite frankly, some outstanding saves from Adam Goss at times, which I know the, the Hive crowd reacted to favorably. Was it that? Was it, was it them playing just a very smart game, the Raiders? Or did we just not click on Saturday? Now, the, the really pleasing thing is, from Saturday's performance going into Sunday, you could easily just see the wheels fall yeah. off. You could easily just see, you know what? It didn't click for us on Saturday. It's not clicked for us again on Sunday. On Sunday, it clicked. There were so many chances, so much commitment, so much hard work across the ice. Look, 3-1 down with 30 seconds to play. You're not giving anybody a chance of getting a point out of it. The guys did it. They battled and battled and battled. And I'm not saying that they only battled in the final minute. They battled for the full 60 minutes. They weathered the storm the Raiders threw at them. They asked questions of the Raiders' defense and the netminder. Give Ethan James's credit. Good little netminder in net there. But they asked so many questions that they deserve something from that game in the end. And sometimes you make your own, in inverted commas, luck. They definitely did that on Sunday, and that's why they got rewarded with the point at the end. And then when you go to overtime, it's a toss of coin in the air. It's going to sometimes come down head. It's going to sometimes come down tails. We have one opportunity going one way. We just don't finish. The other way, they have an opportunity, and they do finish. That's what overtime hockey is all about, sir. I am going to use this um, weekend, despite not being at either game, to sum up our season in one weekend, in one word, and that's frustrating. That has been the word me I think that sums up this season and we'll come back to that later on I'm sure but just this weekend just kind of sums it all up for me you know there was the huge prize and not securing your playoff spot but you were in the door and closed it may not have been locked yet 
But a four-point with uh, weekend this weekend, you were in the door, the door was closed, and all you had to do was lock it. And instead, the Raiders are now in the door, and it's closed. And all they have to do now is lock it, whereas we have to force that door back open. And I think frustrating has been the word this year for me. Yeah, and the thing about that is as well, I said on the podcast last week, you asked me, whose position would you rather yeah. be in? Would you rather be the Bees going into this weekend? Would you rather be the Raiders? And I turned around and I said, you know what? I'd rather be the Raiders. You've got nothing to lose. Well, guess what? We've now got nothing to yeah. lose. In the remaining games of this season, and it might be this weekend, who knows, at the end of this weekend, when the Raiders have a particularly tough Weekend, I feel against a whole Pirates team. We go on the road again, go on the road to Leeds, and we welcome the Phantoms in at home. I'm not suggesting they're easy games by any stretch of the imagination compared to the other ones, but we have nothing to lose. And you could quite easily be at the end of this weekend, bees back up in eighth place. Like that's been the the joy of this. It's so tight down there, and we were. I was going to run through the table, but well, before, before we, we came to the on table, there, we there had... is. I mean, there's three distinct battles now, isn't there? There's the Tigers and the Wildcats at the top. There's the yep. mid-table positions, which are only separated by a few points. And then there's this yep. intense eighth, ninth battle as well. And for me, despite the fact we're in that third battle, I think in terms of an overall league, you have to say this has been quite a, a good league and a good season because here we are now a month shy of the final weekend of the regular season now, just under a month to go. And absolutely nothing is nailed down as yet. There's an opportunity for everybody to better themselves in this table. The one that's the outside chance is the Leeds Chiefs, but they're finally in their home building and they have quite a few home games left to catch up on. So, you know, we could see them make a push to get off the bottom. But in terms of the overall league this year, here we are into the final stretch and everything is alive. And how many times have we seen before, Graham, on the run-in, like the league titles? I mean, I remember seeing it in the EPL, the Guildford Flames won the league, I think, in the first week of January. And you're thinking, well, you know, well done, Guildford, but that's quite boring. This time around, (laughs) here we are with the league title up for grabs, the last playoff spot up for grabs, and every other team in the middle, three, four, five, six, seven, all could potentially even over this run-in, swap places with each other. I think that, as an overall spectacle for the sport, is fantastic. Yeah, look, I wasn't going to roll through the table, but seeing as you mentioned, I was going to go on to a different topic. But Should let's, we do, the let's table? do the table. All right, here we go. Let's here do we the go. table. And now, live with the table, here he is, it's Graham Bell. Thank you. Well, in one big weekend, <laughs> it was a big weekend at the top of the table. There was a chance for lots of change around. Instead, it was the Tigers who ran away with the victory against the Wildcats on Saturday night in Swindon. And then the Swindon not able to follow up the following night against the Peterborough Phantoms, only taking an overtime defeat there. So, top of the table are the Tigers. 45 played, 64 points. In two. Wildcats, obviously just the one-point weekend, 45 played, 61 points. In three. The team that have got Swindon looking over their shoulder, the Peterborough Phantoms, played one less than the Wildcats, three points off a potential second place in the table. In four. That team from down the M3 picked up a four-point weekend, 44 points, 44 games, sorry, 53 points. In five. 
the Pirates. They won't be too worried, though. They've got a game in hand on that team from down the M3, and they are only two points behind them, so they could tie up in that battle for fourth place. In six. The Lightning, 45 played, 48 points. In seven. And this is where it gets interesting. The Steel Dogs, 44 played, so one less than the Lightning, and on 48 points. A good chance that Sheffield can jump up into sixth place in the table. In eight. They jump back up into it following a four-point weekend for themselves. The Raiders played 44, 38 points. In nine. Your beloved team in the white, black and gold. 44 points, sorry, 44 games, 36 points. It could have been a little bit worse if it wasn't for that that one point in overtime on Sunday. How pivotal could that prove by the end of the season? In 10. The Chiefs round it off. 42 played, 26 points. So got a lot of games in hand to come. But think of it this way, ladies and gentlemen. The Chiefs are doing pretty well down there, actually, considering all the challenges they've had. And now they've got a nice home run to try and pick things up, beginning this Saturday against the Bees. It's, I mean, there's a lot to play for, isn't there? In all seriousness, for everybody in that league, there is a lot to play for. The Chiefs, they'll want to get off the bottom of the table the Raiders will want to keep hold of that eighth spot. The Bees will want it. Uh, anywhere between at least four and seven can swap places. Um, it, it's, it's all alive, isn't it? It's all alive. The Wildcats yeah. have slightly, I guess, shot themselves in the foot in their title hope. They were closing the gap, not had the best of weekends for them, and the Tigers have just pulled it back together at the right time for their title push. But, you know, the Phantoms are now breathing down the Wildcats' neck as well. This, you know, yeah. we may very well look back in a month's time at a league table that finishes totally different to the one that we have just described. Yeah, exactly. And, for, and you've also got to throw this in. And I, I, we're rolling into this time, but next week sees the start of the National Cup final between Peterborough and Telford. So that's going to take their eyes potentially off the table a little bit because there'll be additional midweek games, lots of pressure to come for them. And that's where you sit there and you go, well, hang on there. All of a sudden, if the Tigers, who are having some injury and having some suspension worries as well, all it's going to take is a bad weekend. And the Wildcats could leapfrog back up in there and be back at the top. Mm. And the Phantoms, as you say as well, look, they'll be desperate to win more trophies. They're doing so... Though over the years, they've become the cup specialists, reaching cup final, reaching playoff finals year after year after year. They have something that makes them a knockout team. Do they take something away from their league performances in order to focus a little bit more on the cup? Potentially. We have seen that over the years from times where going into a big cup weekend, you're not going to maybe risk. If you've got a player that's 70%, you're not going to risk him. You might not even risk a player who's at 85 90%. So that then becomes something that the Phantoms, because they ain't out of this league title race. And as much as I think that Tigers and in particular Wildcat fans would like to throw them out of it, it's a 10 game winning streak for the Phantoms. It's not impossible to believe they could sneak it if results go their way. Yeah, I mean, you know, Slava is a very, very good coach. He's coached very well over the last couple of years. And we have seen a lot of success for the Phantoms. And as you say, like he's built momentum in his team at just the right time of the season. When you really want your team on a run, they're on it. 
Yeah, they they are the hot hand right now in the league, and it wouldn't surprise me if we're, we're sitting here in April and we're talking about the Phantoms being in the Coventry Final Four because you can just hit form at the right moment. It could even be the wrong moment. They could have just done it perfectly. They end up losing a cup final. They end up finishing third in the table, and they could then end up being knocked out of the playoffs. Like, and that that's the worst case scenario right now for the Phantoms. Just to roll through the fixtures this weekend, because there are some good ones to look forward to. On Saturday, Pirates welcome the Raiders. Swindon host MK. That's not an easy game for the Wildcats. It's Bison against the Steel Dogs. We obviously travel up to face the Chiefs. And then at the very top of the table on Saturday... Tigers v Phantoms. Yeah. I mean, there's a pre-runner to your cup final just taking place uh, on Saturday in Shropshire. And then on Sunday, just the four games uh, with the Wildcats and MK missing out on Sunday. So it's Steel Dogs against Telford. It's Raiders against Hull. It's Bees against Phantoms and the Chiefs at home once again as they welcome the Bison. It's another weekend where you could easily, as we say, record this show in seven days' time and we have changes across this league table. Mm. Which, you know what? Like, for the remainder of the season, we may have to do it top-of-the-pop style, mightn't we? And a climber at number two. While it's down one that's at true. number three, we could just do it like that, couldn't we, next week? Yeah, that's what we, we'll put some actual planning into this, ladies and gentlemen, next week, That'd rather than first. just trying to do... That'll be a first, rather than doing things on the Friday. Now, we say there that we've done no preparation. But, but no, uh, there is planning that goes into this, I will be honest. There is... Yeah, too much. No, um, we, we're we actually, I'm going to sit here now and I'm going to look what is most important to us right now is the Raiders running and the Bees running. Okay. And I th- obviously that two point advantage to the Raiders is gratefully, gratefully helpful to them. But the run-ins for these two clubs are very similar over these last eight games. And you'll have to uh, apply a little bit of... Uh, uh, Pythagoras and Bell theorem on this because the, the, you, you'll see where I'm going with this. So the Raiders begin their run-in with a away and home weekend against the Pirates. That actually matches up to our final weekend of the season where we will have a doubleheader against the Bison away and home. You think if the Pirates win their game in hand, they're both on 53 points in the league. They are very similar teams. So that takes you down to six games remaining. We still have two games left against the Pirates as well. So that takes you down to four games. Of the remaining fixtures of those four, we both have to welcome the Phantoms in. We do it this weekend. The Raiders do it next weekend. So that takes you down to three games. And we both have to go to Leeds. We go to Leeds this weekend. They go up to the Chiefs for the Chiefs' final home game of the season. So actually, that only leaves two fixtures for each team that are different across the league. The Bees have a home and away ties against the Sheffield Steel Dogs. The Raiders have to travel to Telford and then welcome the Wildcats in on the final day of the season. This makes for an incredible run-in. When you actually break this down, and I appreciate that's a little bit of theorem that's going into it here, there's actually could be, it could come down to just two games. Now, obviously, the two games between the Bees and the Raiders will be key, but it really could just come down to the Tigers away and Swindon home games for the Raiders and the two games for us against the Steel Dogs, mm. where it could prove all the difference. Yeah, it's it's tense, it's tight, and, I mean, we, we know certainly that the main priority for us has to be to beat the Raiders twice. Uh, and that puts us, all other results excluded, that puts us 
back in front of the Raiders. And we need to be in front of the Raiders. That's the important thing here because the season series would give it to the Raiders in the event of a tie. So the most important thing for us is to win those two games against the Raiders. And then, as you say, they are fairly even-ish, the two run-ins, in terms of what the Bees have and what the Raiders have and where the points could come from. Um, there is, there's potential for the Bees to pick up points other than, and I'm not saying we won't pick up, I'm saying in addition to the Raiders was perhaps a better way to, uh, to phrase it. There's potential there, and obviously we now will be keeping a close eye on those Raiders' results as well as they run in, because for every game that they win, it adds one that we have to win in addition to beating them now. But it's tense and it's tight, and personally, I'd rather not be in this battle. Um, You know, like tense, tight, you wouldn't mind so much, would you, if it was one or two? But when it's eight or nine, obviously it's season-defining battle this. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make some exciting hockey. That's what I will say for definite. Over the next month, you would hope that both of these teams are going to be giving their all on, you know, the Raiders fans will be hoping their team is giving their all, the Beast fans hoping their team is giving their all. And I guess the best team will win. Exactly. So if you haven't got your tickets already, get them now for all the home games remaining because it's going to be a cracker. We've got the Phantoms this Sunday. We got Then we've got the Raiders. Before we get on to this weekend, can I ask you a question? And then just very quickly, just we've got the, to wrap up against the Bison on the very last day. Get your tickets for those four games now. You're not going to want to miss it. Go ahead. Okay, my question to you, all right, and this may seem a little bit rich given that I wasn't at the game. Here we go, though. All right. You have your most important weekend of the season today. As I said earlier, the one that could get you in and close the door, even though you haven't locked it yet. How do you get shut out on home ice? Never mind lose. How do you get shut out on home ice? That's the that's the question I have for you, Graham, because you were at the game. It's a combination of things, I feel. And again, as I said earlier on, I, I haven't fully watched back through the game tape yet. I haven't fully watched the highlights that will come out. For me, it was a combination of things. It was, did the Raiders play uh, just a very effective style where it shut us down in the neutral ice and then it limited the chances around their net? Uh, And as a result, Ethan James, don't take it away, had to make some very good saves towards the end of the game. But it was just a one-goal game. As an empty netter, I appreciate that. But it's a one-goal game. All it takes is a bounce, is a bobble, is just the right play. And the difference between Saturday and Sunday is the Raiders almost were happy to sit around the front of the net, crowd out the opportunity so that if we did get close to the net, it wasn't a clean shot. It wasn't a a clean opportunity. It was a contested chance, as I like to call it, Um, compared to Sunday where we were getting more uncontested chances at the net. Um, Was Was it just one of those days? Like, it happens. We... It it really is a tough one to call. As you say, I can understand the disappointment. Being shut out at home on a weekend like that is disappointing. I, I honestly just don't know what the answer is. Um, and it really can come down to, did the Raiders play smart or did we just not have enough to unlock them in that right moment? Um, I don't think it was through lack of trying. I don't think it was through a lack of a game plan. I I don't think it was a case of 
freezing in, in a big opportunity. I, I'm more and more tending towards, did the Raiders just come in and, and shut up shop, get the lucky bounces, get, get the play that they wanted? And pull away like the goal they the goal that the Raiders score isn't exactly a highlight real goal. It's just it, it from what I remember of it, and I didn't quite see it cleanly, but it just appeared to almost dribble in over the line. Like that's where the lucky bounces go your way, and that can sometimes just be all the difference in such a tight game. Um, and I understand it from those looking away and those that were happy to chime in on social media as well who weren't at the game. You're just seeing that as well. It, it screwed it up, stuffed it up on home ice. I don't think that. I think that's probably unfair to the Raiders, and I think that's probably actually a little unfair to the guys as well because it definitely wasn't through the lack of trying that they got shut out at home. No, um, it's just you know, I guess frustrating, isn't it? Like I, I could hear the frustration. Certainly, you summing up at the end of the second period, I could kind of hear the frustration in your voice as you were summing up on B's radio network. And thank you so much for my shout out as well, by the way. Um, but no, I could just hear the frustration. I was just thinking, oh no, please, you know, like heading into the third, I was just thinking, please, please, please don't let this be one of those nights because every team has them, doesn't they? Every team has them. And you just have one of those nights where if you played the game twice, you still wouldn't score. And it does happen to every team at some time or another, doesn't it? You know, you could have played six periods and still not hit the back of the net. And it's just frustrating, especially then when you go and you turn it round the next night where you get yourself in a good position in Romford, you get into a bad position, but with 29 seconds or whatever it was to go, you then pull it back and you secure what could prove to be a very vital point. That's the frustration of this weekend, isn't it? In the, the Saturday, nothing seemed to come off. You know, the bounces weren't there. The finishes weren't there. And nothing came off. And then on Sunday, you end up, all right, losing, but losing heroically in the end. Yeah. And even to take it back to Saturday's game, one of the things we have been, have noted over the season is this occasional slow start. We can occasionally find ourselves two minutes, three minutes, four minutes into the game, a goal down. And maybe worse, we have seen that on occasion as well. On Saturday, the opening three minutes was maybe one of our best starts to the season. We came out flying. We looked like we were going to create chances. We looked like we were going to put the pressure on the Raiders' net. And then I can't then work out if the Raiders just shut up shop at that moment and went, you know what? We can't compete with you in playing this big, open style of play that's probably going to suit us more than them. So we're just going to grind you and we're just going to make it hard. And we're almost going to sit here and wait for you to make a mistake or wait for you to make an error or wait for you to just something not to come off as you would hope it would come off. And we're going to exploit it because they did create a numerous amount of, of uh, breakaway opportunities where mixtures of defensemen just skating back, putting everything in and coming up with the right stick lift at the right time. And, and on other occasions, well, it did go through to the final, um, the final option, Adam would come up with a really strong save. There's one from Slakowski that is just an outstanding save. And uh, I'm really hoping Andy, who was filming the game, thank you, Andy, not Richard. Thank you, Andy. Um, came up with the save. And it, it, 
that's just sometimes how it goes in hockey. We've been involved in games where you know, I can remember a bees game yonks ago against the whole pirates. Uh, sorry, not the whole pirates, the whole stingrays in the EPL. I think it was the first year of the EPL. And I distinctly remember it because it was Rick Strachan hockey. And please don't turn off uh, the mention of the word Rick Strachan hockey. Rick Strachan was the ultimate king of dump and chase. He'd go 2-0 up in the game and then dump and chase you for the rest of the game. The Bees ended up tying a midweek game 3-3, where I think in the final period they had something stupid like 25 shots for one goal. Sometimes it just goes like that. You're going to have a night where you'll have eight shots on goal, four will go in and you're laughing. And then the next night you could have 29 shots on goal but the goalie have a hot hand. The defenders just be all on the line. The bobbles and the bounces just don't go your way. That might have been the case on Saturday. We didn't get too many uncontested chances. And when we did, we met a goalie with a hot hand and a hot glove. Mm. It, uh, nights like that just happen, don't they? That's the thing. You know, sometimes even the best teams will find themselves in that position. And it is frustrating. But, you know, I guess from people... Watching on the sidelines, it is very, very frustrating because you think, well, how did this happen? How? But then, you know, it does. Uh, It happens in every sport, doesn't it? You see, like, you know, footballers who just totally and utterly lose their ability to score. And these are quality footballers. You see cricketers drop the simplest of catches. You see golfers, like, hacking around in the rough. And you're thinking... You're the world number one. What are you doing in the rough? But it happens in every sport, doesn't it? And you just have to roll with it and hope that it doesn't happen at the worst possible time. Yeah, and I, I, look, there's still a chance to right this wrong. Yeah. Like, we've still got these two games against the Raiders. There's still eight games. Have we made it a little more challenging for ourselves? Yeah. And I think there'll be an admittance that we have. But in the same breath, there's still an opportunity to put it right. And I think that's what the guys have got to take into the next eight weeks. They know you're not in the last chance saloon yet. The fat lady is not warming up her vocal cords quite yet, but it's just round the corner and you still got an opportunity. As you say, at the end of this weekend, we could be back up into eight from the table. Uh, there's no reason not to believe that could happen um, because we know, and we have seen from this team, the performances they can put in means they could walk away from this weekend with the bounty of points and you could easily see them back up in position. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, just wanting to wrap up two very quick bits of news from elsewhere in the league, just very quickly. Uh, today, Michael Gray announced that he will be retiring at the end of the season. He is one of the Raiders' netminders. has been a long-standing servant for the Raiders over the years. Um, at the moment, he's sort of playing a little bit of a backup role with how Ethan James has come into it there. And it's been a torrid year for the Raiders with netminding. Five different netminders have been used during the course of the year with the likes of uh, Greg Blaze. We obviously saw Tom Adams in the game that we won at the high as well and then Bradley Bradley Wildenbank poor lad a couple of minutes into the pre-season game and he, had, he, he, he he just basically destroys his knee and as a result is out of the lineup for the rest of the year like really really sorry for them but Michael's been a long-term standard stuck with the Raiders throughout the whole time uh, from Rum Valley to Lee Valley and now back at the Sapphire as well so full credit to him and I understand he got married over the summer and would like to spend a little bit more time with his family um, so we do wish him all the best on that front he's um, certainly been a great servant to that club yeah he has um, and let's not forget yeah, at the end of last season as well, he was also injured, wasn't he? So he's had a couple of very tough years in terms of injury. And I guess the injuries, as well as getting married and wanting to spend more time with your family, 
does play a part, doesn't it, in the decision to call it a day. I think probably one thing Michael will be comfortable with is that he is leaving the net in good hands as well, the way Ethan James has come on this year. Um, you know, if he'd have left a couple of years ago, there would have been a big hole, I guess, in that Romford net. Yeah. Whereas now he can kind of say, all right, do you know what? I'm, I'm achy a little bit. I'm fighting back from injury. I've just got married. My priorities have changed. And if I step aside, it's not like I'm leaving a huge hole. No, I fully agree with you on that. Uh, and again, we just obviously want to pass on our best to him. And I'm sure there'll be other retirees as well. And as we hear them, we'll keep making mention of them here on the podcast. I believe uh, Rob Ferrara will be retiring this year from the Phantoms or James Ferrara. One of them is retiring. I think it's the James, the, isn't uh, it? I think it's James, isn't it, who announced very early doors this season that he would be retiring at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and also, just suspension news, I said on the podcast last week, I'd be interested to see the IHA discipline and, and what would be handed down to Thomas McKinnon following his checking from behind here um, on the game against us in Telford last weekend. It took until the, the IHA until Saturday morning to publish it, but they upheld the match penalty that was handed down despite a review request from the Telford Tigers. He received a six-game ban for the hit alone. That also took him over the 15-point threshold for penalty minutes, meaning he incurred another three games on top. So as a result, a nine-game ban for Thomas McKinnon. Uh, actually had a chat with uh, the referee who was at the game, Mr. Poulton, who was in up the game in Telford, and he obviously refereed our game on Saturday. I'm just going to say this very quickly indeed. Stephen Matthews had a very good weekend across both games. Extremely fair, as you would expect. Hello, Stephen, who Paul, is a Patreon subscriber. He is indeed. I and had a good couple of chats with him. I also think Saturday was maybe one of the finest games of officiating we've seen all season between the four of them. I think it worked brilliantly as a system. They called what they needed to call. They didn't call what they needed to, they didn't need to call. I think they did a brilliant job. But yeah, I was talking to uh, Mr. Poulton about the uh, the checking from behind and he said, well, the thing is, there there is an assumption from coaches that because it's a match penalty and Dominic did return to the ice, it should be automatically downgraded. That's gone out of the game now and the, the, the match gets called by the severity of the hit and they felt that it was a reckless and dangerous hit and as a result, it was upheld as a match penalty and the EIHA following video review have also agreed with it and I said on the podcast last week it's one of the worst hits I've ever seen it is still one of the worst hits I've ever seen it has got exactly the right punishment that it needs to get because it needs to send a message out to all players we're not just talking about Mr McKinnon we're talking about all players the the what has been passed down is the absolute right thing in turning around and saying to any player you want to throw a reckless and dangerous hit you're going to sit a few games and you're not going to be able to see the ice. It's completely the right call from the IHA and I'm glad that they have supported the referees in their decision. And well done to the IHA on calling a suspension that's not four games as well. Well done to them. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness though, like, you know, the referees are out there week in, week out and they get an awful lot of stick, which is mostly unfair. The referees are calling the game as they see it within the rules of the game and the EIHA interpretations. They get a lot of stick for that. And then when you call a match penalty and it goes to discipline review and they say, well, no, actually, we'll downgrade it. It kind of undermines the referees a little bit. But as you say, um, and I wasn't at the Telford game, so I'll take your word for this, worst hit you've ever seen, called by the referees and backed up by discipline and a suitable punishment handed out that will make certainly McKinney think twice about 
reenacting that McKin- play. McKinnon, McKinnon just even. to be clear. McKinnon, 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 sorry. McKinnon. That will make McKinnon think <laughs> twice just to, you know, not reenact that play. But also others will think, oh, hang on, the discipline are actually serious this year. So, you know, we're not going to go around with these crazy, dangerous plays. I mean, ice hockey is a very tough physical sport. You know, players take a lot of impact on the body in the course of play, and most of it is legal. But the thing that you're trying to get rid of are the hits that can cause injury. I mean, you'll always get the the freak injury where somebody, say, pops a rib or something just in a, a collision in the corner. You'll get that, and there's no malice at all intended. But when you get the dangerous hits that are reckless, potentially, you know, and I don't mean to be overdramatic, but potentially life-changing injuries could be occurring from these reckless hits. It's important that A, the referees call them, B, the referees report on them, and C, the discipline panel back up the people who actually saw the offence and made the call and wrote the report on it. Exactly. And the point to there to say as well is that there are going to be occasions where players will get 10-minute misconduct will get games, will get, will even get matches through accidents. No, like, there are those occasions where a player will just miss time a hit, you'll go in for a collision and the guy will move and there's, all, there's a cacophony you can come up with there where players will make a genuine attempt to make a play and just miss time it, whatever, it goes wrong. Those aren't the ones I'm worried about. The ones I'm worried about when I it was when I feel a person is going out to deliberately with intent and deliberately injure and will be reckless in what they're doing. And this is the prime example of it. It was a reckless hit. It was a dangerous hit. It wasn't accidental. The hit was it's not it's not a mistimed hit, this one, ladies and gentlemen. It is a it is with intent. And that's what you want to stamp out. You don't want to stamp out a guy goes to throw a hit in a corner, the guy moves, and as a result, as he turns, the hit goes through the numbers, and it's a check from behind. Or it, the player collapses down into the boards, and you get you get the boarding call. I'm not trying to stop that. I'm not trying to outrule that. Those are accidental. It's when you see... We had a horrendous spell of this in the EPL by the end. There was headhunting going on in the EPL, and it was horrific. Yeah, And players, as you said, could have had life-changing injuries and life-changing uh, situations. Thankfully, that on the whole has gone now. The sport is so much safer now. Yeah, I can understand fans' frustrations when you now see a guy from the old days, you used to get a check from behind, it'd be two minutes. Now they're getting two plus ten. It's right for it to happen, but it's just a ten minute. It's not, you, but that just having that ten minute might stop someone flying around with their elbows out in the middle of the ice and causing some very serious problems to players across the league. Players go out there and they put a lot on the line. And um, the one thing I guess they deserve, right, let's just take this back a level. Players do go out there and they put a lot on the line. Now, we have said earlier in the season in terms of the podcast, we've questioned the preparation that players have put in for the season, you know, the work on the fitness and stuff like that. The reason for that is that they are now, whereas 20 years ago, an ice hockey player could have been a full-time job. At this level now, it's not a full-time job. Players are holding down full-time jobs as well. And that is, you know, that adds even more, I think, to what players are putting on the line every weekend. Because if you do get players running around, elbows out, knees out, you know, dangerous hits, dangerous plays you are potentially then affecting that person's ability 
to make a living, to support their family, to keep a roof over their head, because you may do may be doing an injury, which means that they are then off work for two, three, four weeks recovering from the injury. So I think it's very important for the sake of everybody that the referees are calling the penalties as they see them and that discipline back them up. The days of, you know, oh, dangerous hit, referee calls it, discipline overturn it to half. That cannot carry on anymore because, as I say, players are no longer full-time. They are making their main incomes now from their Monday to Friday jobs. And you can't have that risked by some people's inability to play the game in a clean fashion. Exactly. And I think that, I think that just winds it up perfectly on there. And again... There's a lot we criticise officials for. There's a lot there. There's a lot that's actually going right. Let's just wrap up by looking forward to this weekend, and we we've sort of touched on it throughout. The Chiefs. It's going to be our first. Ah, bit my tongue there. It's going to be our first visit up to Ellen Road to enjoy that one. Be interesting to see how things are settling in up there as well. The Chiefs are. a bit of an unknown quantity. We've obviously welcomed them twice to our barn and had some close games. We went up to Blackburn and lost and a little bit of that, I feel, was on the rink um, and in terms of we just didn't adjust to the conditions in the rink. Um, so it'll be interesting how we go against the Chiefs. It is basically the old Cardiff rink. So, guys, it's it's not those who used to play against the Phoenix will be used to being in there. Those that had to travel to Cardiff as juniors will be used to being in there as well. So, but they're an interesting line. The likes of Jordan Kelsall might be playing for them. Uh, Sam Gospel is an outstanding netminder in this league when he's on his day and can really shut up shop. And with the likes of Sammy Zajac at the back as well, um, that could be a real test. And then the Phantoms on Saturday. On Sunday. I just, Sunday, sorry. I just, uh, look, the Phantoms are on this incredible run, but earlier this month, we were one minute away from taking them to overtime. Um, that's how close we can run this Phantom team. You don't see games, especially in the Hive, where the Phantoms run away with it. We obviously beat the Phantoms last time out in our building as well. Like, it really can be a very good game and it obviously and as I've mentioned already there is this cup final for the Pan- Phantoms coming up they might take the opportunity if there are guys especially after a tough game against the Tigers the night before that pretty much could write them in or write them out that title race as well and they want that as a prelude to what's to come in the cup final on the, on the week as well they might just look at Sunday's game and if they need to rest players might just take the opportunity to do so I think it's double S isn't it like obviously there is the cup to think of as well but there's also the the second place, isn't there, in the league that could be theirs as well. So it's double-edged. But then does that make a difference to your playoff grouping? No, 2-3. Doesn't make a difference to your playoff grouping, does it? If you swap there, 1-4 would do, but you're not going to get from, well, you could get from 4-3, to three, couldn't you? But it, it's tough. I mean, Slava's obviously got his eye on the cup, and quite rightly so. Which one does he prioritise? He's. I don't think. I genuinely don't think that the Phantoms could knock the Tigers off the top. Now, if that was a possibility, I think Slava would definitely say, no, you're not resting. We are going for both of these 100%. The difference between two and three may be enough that he says, all right, look, we've got a chance of winning a trophy here. So, yeah, we will rest guys and give them a chance to get over the little niggles and get themselves back to top fitness for the cup. It's a... It's a tricky one, isn't it? But either way, either way, we stand a chance. 
whether Slava does rest players or whether Slava doesn't rest players, we stand a chance. And as you say, a minute away from an overtime game, sooner or later, those one goal games have to go in our favour, don't they? You'd like to think so, Mark. How can fans stay uh, up to date with all the latest from this weekend and potentially get their tickets to the game on Sunday? Well, I messed this up last week, didn't I? So let's see if I can get it right this week. Uh, You can visit the website, which is bracknellbees.com, Facebook and Twitter for likes and follows, Bees Ice Hockey. Instagram is the Bracknell Bees again for your, your likes. Show the love on our photos. If you'd like to get tickets, then it's 01344789000. That's the phone number. Away fans should look for Block 4. Uh, you could also book them online now as well at skates.jnlbracknell.co.uk. 10 out of 10 for you there, Mark. Uh, looking forward to welcoming you back to the Hive on Sunday as well. It'll be nice to see you. Uh, to see you. Nice. <laughs> nice. I've done it again now, haven't I? That's that's definitely sorted out what we're ending with this week, hasn't it? Uh, I've never been such a happy... The question what, what is, was... though, Graham, in the table, are we going to go higher, higher, or lower, lower? Oh, there you go. Or are we or just going to freeze? What? Or are we going to get a pair? And you don't get anything for a pair. Not, Not in, this, in this, game. this game. Oh, goodness me. Those were the good I'm old just... days of British television, eh? Exactly. People won't understand this. And I still think it's an underrated parlor game as well. Mm. still think it's a real underrated parlour game yeah. uh, I'm definitely not delaying here to try and find the other famous Bruce Forsyth quote for this at the moment well, What I'd like about... to ask is you know, as we're talking all of this about you know, play your cards right and that are we going to have some um, very appealing dollies to do their dealing on Sunday? That's exactly it Yes, See, they're so appealing, the... okay dollies do your dealing Okay, yeah, it was. I'm the leader of the pack, which makes me such a lucky jack. Yes. And here they are. They're so appealing. Okay, dollies, do your dealing. Wouldn't get away with that in the modern era, would you? you? Do you know what? I don't think you would. Not even on the telly. <laughs> I, I, no. no. Sadly. It was great in the 80s, but I don't really think in this day and age you'd get away with it, would you? Mark, you're saying the 80s, play your cards right, was still on air in the 90s. Well, it Just started in the bit. 80s. It started in the 80s, but definitely Dollies were still dealing yes, cards in the 90s as well. So. Yeah. And the Price is Right as well that had the um, the assistance, right. didn't it? I mean, yeah, generation game. Let, I mean, we're, hang we're on, just, hang on. Let me, just, um, let me just say, like, you know, as we're on the Price is Right, if you are local to the area on Sunday, come on down. <laughs> And now, obviously, we uh, we passed on about. I mean, we nearly wrapped up this podcast, ladies. If you just want to tune out now, do so. Um, <laughs> but uh, we obviously, we this obviously, is how much uh, we rate our own product. Oh yeah, I'm just saying we we've done the hockey chat now. Obviously, uh, still my favourite was, and now it's time for the quiz of the week from Norwich. Yes. <laughs> I mean, another. I mean, they're having a party up up there right now. Um, if you believe in that, they're where Nicholas and uh, Nicholas and Brucey are having. They're, they're having quite a coming together, yeah. I feel. And then another one, I'd say Bob Monkhouse, as Bob well. Monkhouse. Bob Monkhouse yes. did Family Fortunes, didn't he? Wipeout. Uh, Wipeout. Wipeout, and of course he Paul Daniels did Wipeout yeah, as well. Did the National way. Lottery as well, didn't he? For a while, I know I'm a sinner, but make me a winner. Oh, see, this is. Yeah, that is that's quite a golden generation when you really think about it. Yeah. Of, uh, all those, all those presenters. Um, but yeah, that that's that's the golden era of television. And uh, to try and bring this back on topic, hopefully it will be a golden era of hockey this weekend. I like what you did there. When the bees take on the phantoms. Uh, until next time, Mark. Pleasure as ever. Graham, I'll see you on Sunday. 
And I will see you Sunday and we'll see all of you. Thank you for your continued support of the Bees Radio Network podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Radio Network. BrightnellBees.com.